we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to look at one story that Jesus told. Um, it's known, it's commonly referred to as the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower. Now, Jesus would oftentimes speak in what we call parables. Um, it, it was the original, the Greek word of parable, um, it's the word parabolo. Um, and it basically means uh, to throw beside is the idea. And the reason it's called that is because Jesus would throw a story beside a truth. Because the story sticks, right? When somebody tells a story and, and, and causes something like a picture or an image, something that's relatable, it sticks to you. Now, the story was not the point. Jesus wasn't, he, he was a, an amazing storyteller, but that wasn't the point of telling his stories. He wasn't just like, I'm going to sit down, gather around ye folks, and l listen to my tale. Like, that wasn't the point. So he's telling a story not just for the story's sake, but to get a point across. And so he would tell a story like this in order for us to get it to stick in our minds. And Jesus wants us to get it. Now tonight we're going to attempt to understand just the first part of the story. Now I'm going to read the story in its entirety because we don't want, it's not like the Avengers like where we have to see part one of one movie and then part two tonight at 10.15. Um, but uh, that's besides the point. It, we want to see the full story. So Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, it reads this, and the verses will be on the screen. It says this, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So picture it, Jesus, there's this huge multitude, he's basically being surrounded by him, and so he gets in a boat, they push it just off the shore, and now he's standing in this boat, looking out at a multitude of people, and he's going to speak to this group of people. So he's not in a church setting, he's not in a synagogue, he's literally out in the fields, uh, or on the water, outside, and he tells this story, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed that fell by the wayside. Now pause just for a moment, because we are not in first century Israel. We're not in an agrarian culture. Like, what is he talking about? Now, he's talking about farming, right? I've never farmed anything in my life. So when Jesus is like a sower went out to sow, like we're talking about like a seamstress here, like what, what are we talking about? Like somebody, like my grandma's a sower, like a really good sower, um, and she like sews quilts and things like that. It's not what it's talking about. He's talking about a farmer, and some people believe that in, in our text it says a sower went out to sow. Some people believe that a better translation would be the sower went out to sow, and perhaps there was a farmer walking by, and Jesus points to him and says, the sower went out to sow. And everybody that saw this would knew exactly what he was talking about and how he went. So basically, he's talking about a farmer that was scattering seeds, planting seeds so that they can get a harvest. He says, the, the sower went out to sow, and on his way, he said that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And then some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, there were, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then he says, he who has 
ears to hear, let him hear. Now, Jesus would go on, he would speak other parables, but imagine for a second, he finishes his sermon from the boat, the scene ends, and then it transitions, now he's with his disciples, so a lot smaller, it's no longer a multitude, which is like a great number of people, sometimes it would be over 5,000 people coming to hear Jesus speak, so thousands of people are here, Jesus is probably shouting in order for them to hear this. The scene ends, and then jump over to verse 18, because the apostles come to him, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you just told this story about sowers and seeds and birds and thorns. Like, what are you talking about? And Jesus says this, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, in other words, the word of God, and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And so Jesus explains exactly what this parable is about. Now we're just going to talk about the first sort of soil or ground that this seed fell on, this idea of the wayside. And I've titled this message, if you take notes, Missing Out on a Misunderstanding. Missing Out on or from a Misunderstanding. Let's pray and then we'll talk about this idea. Father, we thank you again for this time. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. And Lord, any distraction, any thought, any uh, thing going on in our life that would cause us to miss out on what you want to say tonight. God, we pray that you would remove that so that we don't misunderstand and we don't miss out. God, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody had a, a misunderstanding happen? Or something like you said something, or somebody said something, and you thought they said and meant one thing, and in reality they meant something different. Anybody that misunderstanding or a situation happened, and you thought this is what happened, but that's not exactly what happened. One time, um, I had a we, not me personally, but was with a misunderstanding that happened. I was at the gym with a buddy of mine, and this guy is like kind of notorious for losing, well, pretty much everything, but specifically his cell phone. Especially at the gym. And so um, he will set a cell phone in the weirdest places at the gym. You're like, what were you thinking? Like it's on like the side of a dumbbell behind like a, like a wall. And you're like, that was, or like on something that moves. Like there's the machines that have the weights that go up and down. And he puts it on something that moves. And you're like, but why? <laughs> anyway, so he leaves his phone everywhere. And so it's a regular occurrence for us like in the gym. We like have moved on to another uh, exercise, and he's like, oh, where's my phone? And so for the next few minutes, we go back to the machines we were using. Most of the time, it's not on the machines we were using. It's like on a machine in a weird place near the machine that we were using. So this one time, we're like, he's like, oh, no, I left my phone somewhere. So we start looking, and usually it's like, you know, a minute or two, we like find his phone. Well, like quite a bit of time had gone on. He still hadn't found his phone. And I'm like, dude, I can't sit around and wait all day. Like, I got, I got iron to pump. Like, we need to move on. 
And so um, I'm like, we, we move on. We keep doing our thing. And, like, it's a long time he hasn't been able to find his phone. He's like, he's like I think somebody stole it. Like, something's go. I can't find my phone. I'm like, dude, it's no big deal. Like, you'll find it. So, like, I'm talking like 25 minutes. He can't find his phone. And he's looking. Like, the person working there has come to help us. Like, we're asking everybody in the gym, like, have you seen my phone? Nobody's seen his phone. So I'm like, hey, use the Find Your iPhone app. You can alert it, you know, like you can make it beep, and we can find your phone. So great idea. So we use my phone. We log in. We make his phone beep. And then all of a sudden, it's coming from, like, the bicycle machine in the corner of the gym. And he's like, I was never over there. Like, I don't do cardio, so why would the bicycle machine? I wouldn't be over there. So we walk over and we get, and all of a sudden we realize it's coming from the pocket of this old guy using the bicycle machine. And so my buddy like confronts the dude and he's like, hey, because it's beeping and the guy like pulls it out like, you know what I mean? Like he just got caught red handed. And he's like, and Paul's like, hey, like what, what? Of course, sorry, I just, sorry, Paul. <laughs> yeah, it was Paul. He, uh, sorry, Paul. Love you, buddy. I, I texted him um, earlier today. He's down in the children's ministry. I texted him, like, hey, I'm going to tell this story. And he's like, I should get royalties every time you tell a story about me. So, um, anyways, I was doing so well. Anyway, so Paul, my buddy, uh, he, like, confronts the guy. He's like, hey, like, that's my phone. And the guy was like, and the, the face he made at first was like, like I'm busted, like I was trying to steal your phone and you caught me. But he's like, oh, it looks just like my phone. And then he pulls out a flip phone. <laughs> like, no lie, he pulls out a flip phone. And he goes, you thought my iPhone looked like your flip phone? And then the lady next to him was like, actually, this is his phone. And she had his phone and it literally looked identical to Paul's phone. And he was like, I don't know what happened. Paul's like, <laughs> like so annoyed. But it, it, at the end of the day, it was just a misunderstanding, right? Like he's like, I got confused. I, I too set my phone in weird places. And so I thought your phone was my phone. M misunderstanding. We all can relate to this idea. And the reason I bring this up is because Jesus, when he tells this story and he gives this idea of the seed falling by the wayside, and then he explains it. What he says is that the seed, when it falls by the wayside, is like an individual hearing the word of God, but not understanding it. And because they don't understand it, they don't allow it to sink into their life. Now, when Jesus uses the illustration of the wayside, this idea is like a walking path. And a walking path, how it difference, the difference between it and where you would plant seed is a walking path would become very firm and hard. Where good soil, where you would plant seed, would be soft, able to dig into it, plant the seed, and then also able to dig down deep for root, but then also with ease be able to sprout out. From the top where the wayside from all the people walking on it and the design for it to be a path would become very firm. I'm sure many of us have walked on a dirt path that is designed to be a walking path versus just going down to the beach in the soft sand. Right? There, there's a difference there. So there's been firm because people have been walking on it over time. And there's this idea where it's, it's been trudged. It's been uh, 
blazed, I was going to say, trailblazed. I don't think that works. Anyways, and the difference between that and, and then soft sand. And so what Jesus is saying is that this seed that's been scattered, sometimes when it's scattered, that the word of God that he says, when it's be, attempted to being planted, sometimes there's no understanding or a misunderstanding. And that's the idea that Jesus wants us to understand. Now, in this story, we have the seed, the sower, and the ground, right? The seed, the sower, and the ground. Those are sort of the main uh, uh, objectives and the main characters in this story. The seed, we're told, represents the word of God. The sower represents the person sharing it or presenting the word of God. And the ground represents people's heart or responses to the word of God. And so Jesus says, when the word of God goes out, whether it be the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, or in a setting like this, when we read God's word and we attempt to apply it to our life, when God's word goes out, there are many responses that people have to his word. Now, Jesus gives us four. We're only going to look at two tonight. And this idea of the wayside. And he explains it, that this parable speaks of, uh, of those that hear it, but don't understand it. We know the difference between hearing and listening, right? Like, like the difference between hearing and listening is like when your parents speak, and you're like, yeah, I heard you say words, but I have no idea what you said. <laughs> right? We've all been there. And it's because like we were watching Instagram stories, or we just like, like what you were talking about, I couldn't care less about, and so I'm just sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> And so there, we hear it, but it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't, we don't understand it. And he says there's a time when the word of God will go out that will hear it. Some people will hear it and don't understand it. Now, Jesus is speaking to two types of people in this story. One, he's speaking about those that, have, that have, haven't placed faith in Jesus Christ. And he's using this as an illustration as to why people don't place faith in Jesus Christ. And the reason, he says, is when the word of God, the, the literal word is the word logos, and it's mostly referred to as Jesus. John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh. It's that word logos, and it's speaking of Jesus. God was made flesh. So when somebody hears the word... Or here's the message of Jesus. They hear it here, but they don't let it sink in to their heart. They don't understand it. So he's speaking of those that don't know Jesus. But also, I would wager to say that he's also speaking to those that do know Jesus. Because after we've placed faith in Jesus Christ, we hear the word. Right? I mean, we, some of us, we read God's word. Others of us, like right now, you've been read to the word of God. And when the word of God goes out, when sometimes when we hear it, we don't understand it. Now, sometimes that's because we're like reading a text and we're like, I have no idea what this is talking about. Um, other times it's like the speaker was trying to say something and you're like, that just didn't really make any sense. Some of you are like, that's kind of how I feel right now. Um, but the, the, the word of God goes out, but we don't understand it. And so what I want to do is quickly give us things that keep us from understanding and receiving the word of God. Three things real quick that keep us from understanding and receiving the word of God. Number one, we don't understand, not understanding that God is that way. What I mean by that is for many people, the reason they don't understand the word of God 
or, or they don't trust the word of God or they don't respond in the right way to the word of God is because there's not an understanding or there's lack of a belief that God truly is the way that he says he is. For instance, sometimes the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, this reality that God loved sinful, broken humanity so much that he gave his only son that if we would just believe in him, we'd have our sins forgiven and new life in God. Sometimes that sounds too good to be true. Because in most of life, like when we do things wrong to people, it's hard for them to forgive us. Especially if like you continue to do wrong things to them. You ever, like, you ever been in a relationship like, like that where they just they keep lying to you or they keep doing things like against how, what makes you feel good or whatever it is, and you're like, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can hang out with you anymore. You, you just, it, this is kind of terrible. And, and over time, because of human relationships, when we fail or when somebody fails us over and over and over and over and over again, it causes us to go like, I, I don't know if I can keep forgiving you. And then the gospel shows up and says that no matter how many times you failed or no matter what you've done or where you've been or what you've gone through, God will never stop loving you. And sometimes when we look at our own life and we hear that reality of who God is, we go like, I don't know if I can believe that. And some people don't believe in Jesus or don't allow the word of God to get in their heart because they don't understand that God actually is that way. That God actually loves you unconditionally. That no matter how many times you failed or what you did yesterday or what you're going to do tomorrow or, or, or whatever has happened in your life thus far, that it doesn't change God's opinion about you. That he still looks at you and loves you. And that he still would send his only son to be a ransom for you. That, that really is how God is and that's really how he feels. And sometimes we don't understand the word of God because we don't understand that, the, that God actually is that way. Let me tell you, God is really that way. He loves you unconditionally. But one of the things that causes us to, to miss out or not respond the right way is because we don't recognize that God is that way. The second thing is not understanding the answers. Not understanding the answers. Another thing I think that caused people to not respond to either the message of Jesus or not respond to the word of God regularly in our life is not understanding the answers. For many of us, I'm sure we have questions. Like we have questions about God. We have questions about Christianity. We have questions about the Bible. We have questions about other Christians and why they behave certain ways. And we have questions and I'm sure many of us have like laid in bed at night going like, if I were to meet God, what question would I ask him? Like I'm sure many of like, well, I would ask him why this happened to me, or I would ask him why this didn't happen, or why this part of the world is like this, or, or whatever it is. We have these, like, why is there this in the world? Whatever it is, we have questions, and we listen, this is important, we don't understand the answers, and the reason I say it like that is because most of the time in the character of Jesus and in the word of God and in the plans of God, he gives us answers. The problem is either we don't understand them or we don't like them. You know what I mean? Like you ever got a, a, an answer that you didn't like? Like I don't like that answer. Like there's a question on the test and it says show your work and you're like, I don't like that. <laughs> like I'd rather not show my work. 
I don't like that answer. It's way easier to not. And sometimes in life, there's questions that we have that the Bible or God or, or relationship with Jesus can answer. But we don't like the answer or, 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 or we don't understand the answer. We don't like it, but, but God speaks, his word speaks, scripture gives us answer, the testimony of his followers gives us answers. There are answers, but at the same time, there's also some questions that, to be quite frank, there aren't answers. Like there's some things that, that you might, you might have a question that doesn't have a good answer. And that's why the Bible speaks so plainly that walking with God is about faith, not sight. That there, I'm telling you that if you dig deep enough, you will find answers. I'm telling you, you, you dig, you will find the answer. You've got some question and you think, like, I'm the only one that's ever asked this question. I bet you there's an answer out there. But in that sort of time of you investigating and asking questions, you might get to a question that somebody doesn't have a good answer for. And at the end of the day, you have to decide, am I going to live by sight and understanding or am I going to live by faith and trust in God? There are answers. We just have to see it. We have to listen. I love that Jesus, look back if you would just quickly in the same chapter in verse 9 at the end of the story. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I love that statement because it's like, it's like such an obvious statement. It's like if you have ears and you can hear, you should hear. Like the, the message of the gospel, what Jesus wants to get across is so simple that if you just have ears to hear, you can understand it. Like the, the, the message, the hope of God, the fact that we can have relationship with God is so simple that you don't even have to have a working brain. You just have to have ears to hear. That's what he says. Like anyone that has ears to hear, let them hear. We have to understand the answers. Now, the third thing, not only is it not understanding God is that way, which he is, or not understanding the answers, which there are plenty, it's not understanding the cost and the reward. I think one of the things that keeps people from responding to the message of Jesus or responding to the word of God daily in their lives is not understanding the cost and the reward. There is an unwillingness to give up certain things to follow God. There's an unwillingness to give up certain things to follow God. Maybe it's some, some sin in our life or something in our life that we're holding on to and we're just like, I don't want to let this go in order to follow God. And I recognize that if I'm going to successfully walk with God, there is something in my life I have to let go of. And many people, when they're, when they're faced with this reality, when they're faced with this choice of, do you want to follow Jesus? Now, I'm telling you that you don't have to change your life in order to be made right with God. But when you say yes to Jesus, there is a reality that God is going to begin to change things in your life. The, the, the book of James would say that faith without works is dead. In other words, that works follow your faith. That if somebody look at, looks at your lifestyle, they should see that you have a relationship with Jesus. That's the idea. And so there's something in our life that we don't want to let go of. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an activity. Maybe it's a mindset. It's blinding people to the truth of the gospel. 
And, and so there's this reality that we don't want to let go of something. Or on the other end, they, 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 they're, they're unwilling to see or, or to really pay the cost because they, it, Jesus says, if you need, want to follow after me, you have to count the cost and decide if I'm worthy of you following me. In other words, there is a cost. There's something you have to let go of. There's something that you have to give up. But then at the same time, some people, they don't respond the right way or respond in the way of faith because they don't see the greatness of the reward. You know, I think for many of us, we think or, or have thought that following Jesus means a boring life or a weird life. Like, you know what I mean? Like we, we see Jesus followers and we're like, I don't know if I want to be like that. You know, like they're super dull and like they wear like really bland clothes and like it just seems like I don't I don't know if I want that life. And, and sometimes the people, they don't see the greatness of the reward of following Jesus. And so it keeps them from ever taking a step of faith. But what you have to understand, what you have to understand is that a life walking with Jesus a life saying yes to him every day is not only the most exciting life you'll ever experience, but it's also the most fulfilling and, and purpose-filled life you will ever live. It's a lie to think that my life will be better without God. It is a lie. Because the only way that you will experience the fullness of the life that God intended for you to live, maybe you will experience other exciting things, but you will never experience the fullness of your God-given design outside of relationship with God. Yeah, you might have a million subscribers on YouTube without God, or, or you might have this, that, and the other, but you will not experience your God-given design and purpose outside of relationship with Jesus. And what happens is we don't see the greatness of the reward, and so it keeps us from responding in faith. It's a misunderstanding. It's like, oh, I don't know, it doesn't seem all that great. You're, not, you're missing out because of a misunderstanding. That God is that good. That there are actually good questions to your or answers to your questions, and that the cost is worth it and the reward is far greater. Whatever you give up to follow Jesus, God will repay and refill in, in abundance what you've given up. Don't think that, Pastor Jim said this uh, uh, at Easter in the Park. He said that, that following Jesus is not oh, what is giving up. He said it's trading up. It's not giving up. It's not saying like, oh, I've got I've to give this up. I'm never going to have this thing. I'm never going to get. No, no, no. It's trading up for something better. It's giving up something that doesn't matter and it's gonna, not going to last and getting something that has eternal value and reward. So Jesus says, listen, there's this guy. He goes out. He sows the seed. Right. And some of it falls by the wayside. And the wayside, it's, it's, it's shallow. It has no depth. It's, it's, it's too hard for anything to get into it. And so before it can ever take root, before it can ever even get down into the heart, it's lost in the mind, and people miss out. Now, worship team, you guys can come up here. I'm just about done. What I want you to notice in this text is two things as we close. I want you to notice the carelessness or really the carefreeness of the farmer. Now, picture the story again. 
Jesus, people that understand farming. We don't get it, so we might miss it. People that understand farming, the sower went out to sow. Now, if you've got a bag full of seeds, right, or, or a pouch like it's on your waist or, or, or however it is, you got, you got your seeds and you're going to sow the seed, you would probably make sure that you didn't waste any seed in any other place except for where the seed is intended to go. Right? Think about this. Like this farmer is going where he's, he's tilled the ground, you know, he's, he's plowed the ground, he's done all the things that have to happen in order for the ground to be ready for the seed to go in it. And yet on his way, he's losing seed on the sidewalk. You're like, buddy, what are you doing? Like you're wasting all that seed. But what I want you to see is, is the carelessness or, or, or the carefreeness of the farmer. He is scattering seed anywhere and everywhere. Because who knows? Maybe, maybe, yeah, it looks like the wayside. It looks like somebody that's not going to understand it. It looks like potential that it's never going to get in there. But what if it does? What if I walk back by the wayside and all of a sudden there's a tree, bam, right in the middle of the sidewalk? You're like, how, how did that get there? Like, you ever seen the sidewalk where there's a little crack? And it's like, I mean, it's so poetic, right? And there's the little flower. And you're like, wow, you worked so hard. Like, this is amazing. Like, good for you, little buddy. Because... Because maybe, maybe the seed can get past that hard, difficult, compact dirt and get down in there and produce something. And the reason I bring that up is because I think two things. One, the word of God says that when it goes out, it will never return void. And so maybe you're here tonight and there's parts of your, your heart that you're just like, I don't believe that. I don't trust that. I don't, I don't, I have never experienced that. Let me tell you that God's word is kind of like that, that plant that's poking up out of the sidewalk. That's, it's relentless. It wants to get in there deep. And in every wall that you put up and every thought that you've had that, nah, God couldn't be like that. God, his word is working its way through that compact, tight heart to get down in there to show you that he really is that good. But then also I would say that for us that have said yes to Jesus, that follow Jesus, that, that want to see other people in our world and in our circle give their life to Jesus. Now put yourself, no longer are we the soil. Put yourself as the sower in the story. And don't be that person that's only going to scatter seed into people's life that think that they're going to be the ones that respond to it. Think about those that this is the last person on earth that would ever say yes to Jesus. So I'm going to throw some seed at him. You know, my dad's story, who's the, the pastor of the church, his story is that a friend of his invited him to an outreach the first time he ever heard the gospel. He was, he was a senior in high school. He'd never even heard of Jesus before, never even heard the name of Jesus, grew up in America, never heard about Jesus. First time he was, he was, he was 18 or 19 years old. A friend invited him to an outreach. He heard the gospel for the first time. He said yes to him, and he walked down and stood publicly in front of thousands of people to say yes to Jesus. After that time, fast forward a few months, he was hanging out with the same buddies that invited him to that church. And they said to him, do you know what? We, you were the last person on the planet we ever thought would give their life to Jesus. 
They said that to him. He's like, what was, what, how was I so bad that that's what your thoughts were? But then his second thought was, well, then why did you invite me? Like, if I'm the last person on the planet that's going to say yes to Jesus, why invite me? Because who knows? Who knows what that seed might do? In their mind, he's the wayside. And they're like, whatever. We'll, we'll throw some seed there. Who knows if it might sink down deep. And then here we are standing in a church over 30 years later as a result of them going, let's see what happens. And so your friends, your circles, your life, wherever you are, God just wants you to start throwing some seeds. Just saying like, hey, do you want to come to church with me? Or, hey, we're going on this, this summer trip to Atlanta, and uh, I bet you we could get a scholarship for you. Would you want to roll with me? Throw some seeds. See what happens. The other thing I want you to see, and I'm almost done. I think a lot of times, and I, and I heard a pastor say this recently, that we look at this story and we think that no matter what, it's only the good soil that's going to respond to the message. Meaning that at the end of the day, a good heart is a good heart, and so the good heart will respond. And he totally flipped this. And he said, this pastor said that, that there's this reality that sometimes, that deep down beneath the wayside and beneath the stony ground and beneath the thorny ground is actually good soil. But what happens is we're unwilling to sort of cultivate and care for that soil in order to see that seed get down in there. And so there's some people, there's this reality that some people, like right when you throw the seed at them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce like a basketball. Like it's just going to, they couldn't care less. But then as you continue and as you continue to be a witness and as you continue to, to be that person that, that sets an example of what it means to follow Jesus, all of a sudden you're coming in there kind of with a jackhammer a little bit. And there's that concrete slab or there's that, that hard, compact ground. And all of a sudden, your life is just shaking their whole life up. They're like, how is it that this, this person has gone through all this difficulty and yet they still have joy? And how is it that even though their parents got divorced, they still seem to have a smile in their life? And how come every Thursday night they seem to be at the same place no matter what's going on? And how come when life and school is overwhelming and I have anxiety and I have stress and, and, they, and I'm just seem like I'm over it, they can keep going. What is it about them? And there you are, your life as a jackhammer, just breaking up the soil of their heart. And pretty soon the seed that you planted and the life that you're living and the love that you're showing is starting to get down in there. And rather than just giving up on somebody and saying, like, ah, it's never going to happen, we just keep living our life and keep showing people what it means to be a follower of Jesus and that seed starts to get down in there and it starts to change them and it starts to do something supernatural in them. Listen to this verse and I'm done, I promise, I promise. This is my only opportunity to preach from this series and so I'm trying to get it all in before they steal the show. Listen to this. And not to steal from them, he's talking, he's talking to um, bosses and employees, but listen to this, but to show that they can be fully trusted so that in every way, listen to this, they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. 
that in every way, the way that these individuals are living their life, he says in every way it will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Another translation says that you can adorn the gospel. That the gospel is the most perfect, beautiful thing, power that somebody can experience and you can make it more attractive. How do you make it more attractive? By the way you live your life. By being those types of people that scatter seed, that love people un- unconditionally, relentlessly, that we just keep being the type of people God wants us to be. And pretty soon the gospel that is perfect, the gospel is the power for us to be saved, the Bible says. That that perfect gospel all of a sudden becomes more attractive. How? Because you're there. Because you're there. And you make the gospel more attractive. Yeah, we, we, can, we can make it look horrible, right? By the way we live our life and how we respond to people and how we treat people and all of these things. And people are like, ugh, what, is, what are they into? That's so weird. Or you can live your life with so much grace and so much love and so much forgiveness and so much acceptance and so much turning the other cheek and, and recognizing that God has something for them that all of a sudden you've made the, the perfect word of God more attractive.